0: So anyway I, I'm glad I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you uh, made the decision because I did give you a heads up what we'll be talking about today, uh, at least in part. Uh, and I don't know some of you I think are excited about this short series. Some of you might be nervous about this short series as as we address some of the issues that are related to to our bodies, uh, related to our, sexuality. But here's the thing, I, I really believe that applying a biblical worldview to these important issues, uh, that is how we are best going to experience all the things that we really do want in life. We want fulfillment in life. I think everybody at the core level in their hearts, we, we want to be fulfilled. Uh, we want to have satisfaction. We, we, we want to experience Pleasure, we want to have confidence in our identity. These are all things that we all desire. And I truly believe that the best way to experience all of that is through a biblical worldview. If this is your first time at Grace Fellowship, welcome to Grace Fellowship, where we only talk about the easy uh, subject matters, the, the non controversial things. Uh, we are glad that you are here. Uh, I was thinking about this. Ho- hopefully, you work with someone or you know someone that only shows up to church like at Christmas and Easter and so you can now tell them what we talk about the rest of the year. You can go this week and say, "Hey, guess what we talked about uh, on Sunday uh, I want you to I want you to imagine that that we went out to eat together and uh, let's say that we went to a Chinese buffet Now you can already tell that this is an imaginary story because I wouldn't take you to a Chinese buffet but uh let's say that we go to a chinese buffet together some buffet and and uh we have each like three four plates like full plates and uh you say to me i think i'm done i'm tapping out i've had enough i've hit my limit and i say to you come on one more plate i mean let's make sure we get our money's worth you can do it what's the worst that could happen you say, okay. And so you go and you have one more plate and you push past the limits of your stomach and you vomit everywhere. <laughs> Welcome to Grace Fellowship where apparently no topic is out of bounds. How about this one? I want you to imagine that, that you and I, we go on a trip together somewhere. Let's say uh, maybe we go to the Grand Canyon. Maybe we go to a big city. But wherever we go, let's say that we find ourselves on a really high place, like maybe at the edge of the canyon wall. Or maybe we go to the lookout at the top of a really high skyscraper type building. And while we're there, I say to you, you know what you should do? You should jump and fly like Superman. To which you would say, I can't fly. And I say to you, who told you you can't fly? Maybe the person who told you that you can't fly just wants to limit the thrill and experience that flying would give you. And so you jump and plummet to your death. I want to talk about guardrails and limits and boundaries from a biblical worldview perspective this morning as we dive Uh, into this what isn't potentially awkward. Uh, I'm not trying to be provocative in this series. I'm not trying to uh, just make you feel weird and uncomfortable for no reason. But just like roads have guardrails, and uh, they are there to keep us from driving into ditches, and sports fields have boundary lines so that we know where the game is supposed to be played. Our bodies have limits. Our relationships have boundary lines. Think about the limits that God has placed on our bodies. We can't just go weeks without sleeping. Try to go weeks without sleeping. Your mind is affected. Your body is affected. Eventually, your body will shut down without sleep. There are limits to the amount, like I'm... I'm the first, the first thing in the morning. I'm the person who is guilty of having coffee first thing, right? I, I am thankful for caffeine, but there are limits to the amount of caffeine that our heart can take in a day. We can't breathe underwater. There are, there are limits to how, how high in the altitude that we can go and still be able to breathe. Our bodies cannot get too hot or too cold without harm or without death. God has designed our bodies with limits, and those limits are good. They're for our good. These boundary lines that God has designed in our relationships are for our good. And if someone lies to you and tells you that you can run past those boundaries... That you can ignore the limits and experience no consequences. Hopefully, someone in your life has taught you the truth about these limits and boundary lines so that you can avoid learning the hard way that they do exist. Hopefully, someone has shared with you the truth so that when the lie comes and you hear it, you recognize it and say, No, 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 no that's not true. This is true. And that's what I'm hoping to accomplish with this sermon series because there are lies being told every single day in our culture. Every day. All day. They're being told through entertainment. These lies are being told through social media. They're being told through a liberal worldview that has distorted objective science, corrupted legal boundaries, and infected churches, and Christian homes with the poison of sin. The big lie being told about our bodies and about our sexuality is that God's limits, God's boundaries, they're not necessary. They're just blocking you from becoming your best self. They're only keeping you from being happy. That's the lie that's being told in our culture the big lie being told about our bodies and our sexuality is that we we don't have to live with limits we don't have to live inside of boundaries you and i we get to be our own god we get to choose our own limits we get to draw out our own boundary lines in fact if you want just live without limits because there are no consequences and this morning, we're going to talk about where did that lie even come from? Like, where's the original source of this lie? Who told it first? And how did it, how did it take its present form that we're experiencing today in our culture? And why is this lie so destructive? We need to go all the way back to the beginning. You know, when, when Jesus was asked a really hard question about marriage, by some people that wanted to either trick him or embarrass him or catch him in an awkward uh, question, uh, hopefully they wanted to try to embarrass him in front of, in front of his audience. And uh, listen, listen to this. It's in, in Matthew chapter 19. In Matthew 19, there was these Pharisees that came to him in verse 3 to test him. And here's their question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Now, we're not talking specifically about marriage and divorce. That's not our topic right now. But it's interesting to me when this this difficult question comes up about our relationships and the boundary lines in our relationships, where does Jesus go to make his point He goes back to the beginning. He says, haven't you read, which I love that phrase. It's like, you guys are the Pharisees. You're the legal experts. Do you not know what the book says? Haven't you read that at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus saw creation and the original design as the standard. The standard. Jesus saw the limits and the boundaries that God had created from the very beginning as good. It's where he went to to make his point about how do we... How do we deal with some difficult uh, questions in life? Well, let's go, let's go back to the beginning and see what, how did God design this to be? Because that's what was good. And if we step away from what was good, then there's going to be consequences for that. So let's go back there too. Go with me to Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter one, of course, starts with, "In the beginning, what? God created." And when you read through the creation story, uh, after each day, as God creates different parts of creation, and He looks at it and evaluates His work, each day, He says, and it was good. It was was the best. It was perfect. We go to Genesis chapter 1. I want to jump into the story, into the record In verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, humankind was created in the image, in the likeness of God. This is important to understand because it's where our identity comes from. It's where our values, uh, our value as a human being comes from. You don't get to assign value to me. I don't don't have the right to take away value as a human being from you. Why? Because our value is found in in the fact that we are created, all of us are created in the image of God. That's where our value as a human being comes from. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over the creatures that move along the ground. God also creates purpose for our lives. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them, He blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and increase In number, fill the earth and subdue it. God created humans in His own image. We are distinct from the animals. We're not just uh, another species of animal. We are distinct from the animals. Male and female. And that that phrase gets repeated throughout the Old Testament. Jesus goes back and He repeats it, male and female and female. God designed a distinction between male and female. You also notice that God created sex. Be fruitful and increase in number. What are the mechanics of that? There, There are physical mechanics to make that happen. It's sex. God created that. It was good. In Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, the creation account is told as far as uh, specifically uh, the creation of humankind with more specifics, and we want to jump back in to verse 7 of chapter 2, the Lord formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, and that's where, that's where he put uh, Adam and, and gave him uh, a purpose. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for, the, uh, good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there's this tree of life, and there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right? So you get the scene. There's a river that flows through it, and it's a beautiful, incredible, perfect place. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it, take care of it, gave him purpose. The the Lord God commanded the man, you are, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil for when you eat of it, you will surely die. God put a limit on what they could eat. We'll come back to that. The Lord notices in verse 18, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And and just imagine this, you know, Adam is, is fulfilling God's purpose for him and he's naming these animals and one by one. Right, two by two they come, and and he's naming them. The man, he's giving names to these livestock. But no suitable helper was found for Adam. In company, he had the company of the animals, but it wasn't the same. And so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's. Ribs, he closed up the place with flesh, and the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man, which is interesting that God would do it that way. This idea of uh, that, that uh, his design, he could have formed woman out of the, out of the dirt like he did with, with Adam, but he didn't. And uh, there's some imagery there of, of uh, the male having care and, and, and love and protection wired into how God's made men, which we can get into later. But the man said, this is now bone of my bones, is flesh of my flesh. She she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Here's the key that we want to focus on. Verse 24, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife. They will become one flesh. That sounds familiar. Oh, wait, that's what Jesus just referenced in Matthew when he was asked a difficult question. The man and his wife were both naked. Don't miss this. And they felt no shame. They felt no shame. Let's go back to the tree. God put a limit on what to eat. And it was just one tree. There was one limit. If I invited you over to my house, I'd say, hey, would you like something to drink? Yeah, what do you got? Well, I've got just about every soda you could think of. I've got Pepsi, Coke. Mountain Dew. I have Dr. Pibb, which is hard to find, right? I've got it all. I've got all of these different sodas. If you don't like soda, I've got milk. I've got iced tea. And I just go down through just a ton of different beverages. And, uh, and you said, what, what's that one there? Oh, that's a, that's a monster drink. It's got a lot of caffeine. It's really not that. It's not good for you. Um, it's, it's got more caffeine than, than, than would be good for you. Uh, that one's off limits. Anything else? And you're like, what? But I want that one. No, no, you don't understand. That was that not good for you. No, no, no. What are you trying to do? You're trying to stifle my freedom? The limit that God placed on Adam and Eve is one tree. It wasn't intended to be restrictive, it wasn't intended to ruin their lives. You know, the tree of life was this reminder to live in dependence on God. That's why it was there. And the tree of good and evil, What you know, I've, I remember thinking this you know, when I was younger and, and you hear the story of creation and you're like, why in the world would he put that tree there to begin with? It was there as a reminder. To live in obedience to God, it's a, it's a visual reminder that he's God and you and I aren't. We don't get to be God. We don't get to set the standard of right and wrong. God does, because He's God. And God designed creation with limits, with boundaries, for our good. Some of those, some of those limits and boundaries we really appreciate. Let's take the laws, the laws of physics There are physical laws of the universe, uh, like gravity, which we kind of like. Because gravity is what keeps us from flying off the planet. That's good. And if you don't like the law of gravity, if you try to ignore the law of gravity, you're probably going to get hurt. Well, God also created societal... Laws of how things should work. If we want to have a healthy, flourishing society, God created limits and boundary lines and standards for us to live inside of so that we can have that. Marriage is one of those boundary lines. God designed marriage to be a covenant relationship between one man and one woman, and they would become, what's the quote there, one flesh. What do you think we're talking about when we say one flesh? We're talking about sex. Only only in marriage between one male, one female, is sex to be experienced and enjoyed. And I understand that sounds very restrictive to our no limits, no boundaries on sexuality culture that we live in. I understand that's what it sounds like. But when we live inside of these limits, the results of that are good. We get to experience love and mutual respect. And here's the key. At the end of of, uh, chapter 2, they get to experience that relationship, watch, without shame. Without shame. And isn't that what we really want? We want to experience life without shame. I think that's one of the big reasons why God designed marriage with boundaries. It's not the only reason. Obviously, when you read through uh, the the record here, we see that God saw that that we needed companionship. Adam had the company of the animals, but he needed a companion. He needed a helper suitable for him. We see that God designed sex as a means to have children. So there's, there's a physical mechanics part of this, and... Uh, How is the earth going to be populated? Well, there's there's some physical mechanics to that. And and that's one of the reasons why God designed sex. But yes, even though marriage is, when you go to the New Testament, you see it's this this beautiful picture. It's this uh, this illustration of of our relationship as the church, uh, as the bride of Christ, as a follower of Jesus. We're described... That Jesus and, and and the church, there's this husband and bride relationship where there's this intimacy and uh, this close relationship, and the marriage, the, the 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 marriage relationship pictures that, which is beautiful. So we don't take away from any of those reasons, but I think a big reason why God designed marriage with boundaries is so that we could enjoy. Sex, so that we could have a healthy view of our bodies without shame. And look at the results uh, that came from breaking God's limits in chapter three. The serpent, now the serpent uh, is Satan. Satan disguised himself as a serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, this is is fascinating. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in this garden? It's not what God said. It was one tree. There was one limit, one boundary line. And he twisted it and he distorted it with this question. Did God really say... That all this is off limits to you? The woman said, Well, no, 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 no. We, we can eat from the trees of the garden. God did say you must not eat from that one. Don't even touch that one. And now she's in on it as far as distorting what God actually said. He just said, Don't eat or you will die. And here's the big lie. Verse 4 The big lie. You will not surely die which is in direct contradiction to what God literally said. If you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And so Satan says to her, the big lie is, uh, no, that's not true. What God said is not true. He goes on to say, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and, and you will be like, God, Knowing good and evil. The big lie is this, that God should be ignored. That God cannot be trusted. That there are no consequences to disobeying God. If it looks good, if it looks pleasant, if it's something that you desire, then it should not be off limits. That's the big lie. God's, God's limits and these boundaries, they're completely unnecessary. It's just to block you from becoming your best self. God only said those things so that you wouldn't be happy and experience all that life has to offer. How did it play out? Well, the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food. It was pleasing to the eye. It was desirable. "...for gaining wisdom. Looks good. Feels good. I desire it, so I should be able to have it. She took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And both of them, then the eyes of both of them were opened. They realized that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. They made coverings for themselves." The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I I heard you in the garden and and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. God responds, who told you? Who told you you were naked? You know, the big lie hasn't changed. It's still the same big lie being told today. The, the lie is that you, you and I, we, we just choose our own limits. Make your own standards of right and wrong. You get to set your own boundaries if it looks good, if it feels good, if you desire it and it's pleasurable, then it should not be off limits to us. You get to define your own identity you know, we don't need God to assign identity to us. We don't need God to uh, give us boundary lines to live in. We can ensure our own happiness. We can live our own best life. These limits are not necessary. We can live without limits with, with no consequences. It's the lie that's being told. See, what what Satan is is offering here in the story, what what he's still offering today in this big lie is freedom from God's limits, a life of autonomy without consequences. That's what he's offering. And it's not true. It's not how it works. Satan was and still is offering this life of fulfillment apart from obedience, apart from dependence, on God. Here's the truth. The truth is that what we really want in life is fulfillment. What we really want in life is contentment and satisfaction. We want to have a healthy identity. We want to experience joy. We want to have healthy relationships. We want these things. And the truth is, it's only going to be found in our relationship with God. And that's only found through our relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want you to miss this. Uh, when you read through this story, and honestly, I, I don't know that I really thought through it from this angle and, until I started praying about and thinking about and reading God's word from this perspective about uh, our sexuality. I mean, I, I've known for a long time that our sexuality, our, our our identity, that it's it's rooted in the creation story, but don't miss this. The very first Recorded problem from sin, the very first recorded problem from ignoring God's limits, from, from disobedience, is this discomfort with the naked body and shame. God says, who told you that you were naked? There's something that's changed. Before sin, there's no sense of shame with a naked body. There was no sense of shame that was connected to to, uh, this physical relationship that was inside the boundaries of marriage, because that's all that existed. And it existed apart from any shame. It was good. It's Hard to imagine what that must have been like before sin when everything was perfect, God God designed our bodies, He designed our sexuality to be experienced without shame. It's hard, it's hard to imagine that reality now. But when Adam and Eve chose to be independent of God, what was the, what was the consequence of that? They felt inadequate, they were afraid, and they were ashamed. Before they declared their independence from God, sex was not something that was perverse. There there was no lust, the sin of lust. See, lust is something that offers the illusion of intimacy. It's not the real thing. It's offering something that it can't deliver. Intimacy can only be found in the real thing, the, the, the thing that God designed as good and perfect. There was no discomfort. There was no confusion with our bodies or our identity. Listen, you read on in, in chapter 3, you see there's lots of things that were broken by sin. Everything in creation was distorted and broken by sin. But I find it interesting that the first recorded impact from believing the big lie was our sexuality. I just find that to be interesting. Sexual satisfaction, gender identity, healthy comfort with our own bodies, and a life without shame, it's only found inside the limits that God has placed on our sexuality. Listen, our identity was always intended from the beginning to be connected to, to our relationship with God and the fact that we are made in His image. And the, the only faith in Jesus Christ, His death on the cross, His resurrection from, from the grave, His making us right with God, this right relationship, all of that is only made possible through Jesus. And here's the danger of believing the big lie. When, when we buy in and, and Here's just a reality. Lots of Christians have bought in. I'm not just talking to the, to the world who doesn't know who Jesus is. I'm talking to us. When we buy into the big lie that our identity can somehow be found In ourselves, apart from God, or that our sexuality, that that our gender is somehow self determined, that we can live without limits and have no consequences, the result of that is fear and shame. That's the result. It's not what God wants for us, it's not what we want for ourselves, but that is the outcome. Did you notice how how Adam and Eve try to deal with their shame and fear? They tried to blame God for the whole mess. When you read on, uh, God challenges them like, who who told you you were naked? What's going on here? Adam's response was, she did it. It was that woman that you gave me. you hadn't created her, then this never would have happened. That's his response. It was her fault. God says to to Eve, what happened here? Her response was, the serpent made me do it. And you made the serpent, so ultimately you're to blame for all of this, God. Interesting. This this idea of shifting blame, it's all part of the big lie. It's like, yeah, sure, I, I, I do things that are wrong. Yeah, I know that, but I can't help it. That's just what I'm like. It's how God made me. God, you're, you're the one that put together the genetic code. I didn't do that. You did that. I have these feelings of attraction. Yeah, I understand they're outside of the limits that God has placed on sex, but you made me this way. It's not my fault. Did God really say... That sex is limited to the marriage covenant between one man and one woman. Did he really say that? I mean, God doesn't want me to be lonely, does he? God wants me to be happy. Isn't God love? I'm pretty sure I read that in here. That God is love. And he wants me to experience love, I'm sure. So so uh, I think it makes sense that I should be able to apply the same the same principles of God's perfect design for sexuality, somehow I should be able to adapt that to my own desires? I should be able to do that without any consequences. Here's the problem with the big lie that as soon as we step beyond God's limits for our sexuality and try to find identity, apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ, as soon as we do that, we are inviting harm. We are inviting shame. We are inviting fear into our lives. I mean, imagine trying to drive your car on the other side, on the wrong side of the guardrails. And you might have a solid argument. You're like, listen... Those guardrails over there are just way too limiting. Did you not see my truck? It literally has a logo on it that says Unlimited. No one's going to tell me where I can and can't drive. Guardrails aren't there to make your life miserable. They're not there to ruin your day. They exist to protect you. It's a much smoother ride over here on the pavement. Our value as a person is found in the fact that we are made in God's image. I want you to hear me. God did not make a mistake when he made you. I'm going to say it again. Because you need to hear it. That God did not make a mistake when he made you. Next week we're going to address some specific questions. And some of them are going to be uncomfortable, and some of them are going to have to do, do with our, our body image. And this lie, this lie that, that you and I have to look a certain way to have value, says who? It's not what God said. Our value is found in the fact that we're made in God's image, and He didn't make a mistake when He made you. Our identity was never designed to be found in our sexual desires. That's not not where our identity should be rooted or the shape of our bodies. Our identity was was designed to be found in our relationship with God. As a child of the one true God that we are forgiven, loved beyond measure, spiritually renewed, purpose-filled, as a follower of Jesus Christ. And when we live in in that identity, you know what the result of that is? No shame. Almost like God knew what he was doing when he put the design together. Next week, yes, we're done for today. You can all take a deep breath. We're done. Next week, I, I do want to address several big lies that have been spawned from the original big lie. And we're going to get specific about it. I'm not going to be crude, uh, but we're, we're going to talk about some things that don't just affect the world outside these walls, but that affect us as followers of Christ. And I just want you to know this. I, I know that some of you might be struggling with some of these things. And I know that some of you, maybe somewhere along the way, have bought in hook, line, and sinker to some of these lies. I know that some of you may have, in your lifetime, may have experienced and walked through and maybe still carry the shame that has resulted from ignoring God's boundaries. So I want to make you promise. You're probably deciding my coming back next week. I don't know. I want to make you promise. I promise that I'm committing myself with God's help to present to you truth in grace. A full measure of truth and God willing a full measure of grace. My my goal in this series is not to pile on shame. It's not to be condescending. It's not to to uh, try to convince you that that that, that I've somehow uh, gone through life perfectly and, and have never fallen short. I, I want to be able to show you that shame can be avoided, and when we fall short, that shame can be removed. It, that's a possibility that can only be found in Christ, but we need to talk about that. And so I'm going to provide, hopefully, some, some good resources that will help you discover biblical truth and a biblical worldview and some of these things. If, you're, if you are struggling, you don't have to wait till next week, like if you're struggling with a particular uh, issue when it comes to your body, when it comes to your sexuality, when it comes to some of these uh, identity issues... Uh, my, my first suggestion as a resource, the, the version app has Bible reading plans, devotionals, if you want to call them that, version app. You can look it up on your, on your app store if you don't have it. If you, if you type into the search for those Bible plans, specifically whatever it is that you're struggling with, anything from, from pornography to, to, to uh, your identity as a person to uh, just uh, purity, whatever whatever it is. If you just type that in specifically into the search, uh, you're most likely going to find several plans that you can walk through and I think are going to be really helpful. I'll have some more book suggestions uh, for you that that I'll offer, but I also want you to know, I think it's important that, that we have this as a safe place where we can talk about this stuff. So we have students that might have questions and, and uh, our youth leaders, uh, they, they have, they're working with me on this particular topic, so they're going to have a box uh, that if a student has a question, they can obviously go and talk to a youth leader directly if they have questions, but if they, if they have something they want to talk about and they just, they're scared, they're embarrassed, whatever, they can they can put that into the box, and that'll help our youth leaders maybe address some of those, those topics or issues. And I'm here. I'm available. Um, if there's something that you need to talk about, I'll, I'll make myself available to pray with you, to talk with you. Um, I think it's important that we have a safe place where we can just be real and honest about, about things that we're, that we're struggling with. And, and here's, here's my heart. I just want you to know where I'm coming from on this. I look at Jesus, and Jesus said he didn't come into the world to just condemn the world. What did he come to do? Save the world. He came to rescue us from our sin. Not to leave us in our sin, not to give us a list of excuses for our sin, not to, not to gloss over our sin and, and minimize it. No, he came to rescue us not to just pile on shame and condescension. He didn't, he didn't come down and, and, and look at us and look, wow, you guys are terrible. <laughs> it's what we deserve. That's not what Jesus did. His heart was broken over what sin has done to us. and So he came to rescue us. He came with a full measure of truth and a full measure of grace, and that's, that's the heart I want to bring to this series. Uh, today and next week, okay? All right, so come back, please.